0: I've always been very tolerant about people's sexuality. I feel that what you do in the privacy of a network television show is none of my business. If you want to put your woo-woo in a goo-gaw instead of a noo-noo, I'll be the first person to say I have no idea what you're talking about. If a man wants to do something utterly disgusting with another man, my feeling is, hey, that's where musical comedy comes from. And if a guy wants to dress up as a woman, keep his dead mother stuffed in the basement of his roadside motel, and then leap out of the shadows and stab naked women to death in the shower, Who am I to judge? But I'm sorry. When a journalist has word sex with Beto O'Rourke, I draw the line. The magazine Vanity Fair has released a profile of Beto by Joe Hagan that is an offense against God and man. To quote directly from the piece, when I arrive, Beto is barefoot, and his adorably electable ankles send a shock of pleasure through me. He asks me if he should run for president, and I say yes, 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 oh yes. yes, yes, yes. Well, you get the idea. It's time to draw the curtain. Read your Bible, people. Word sex with Beto is a sin. It takes the natural pleasure that God intended to be between a man and any damn thing he can get his hands on, and it transfers that pleasure to promoting a political candidate with no experience and with incredibly poorly thought-out policies that would destroy the country. Sex was given to us for a purpose. It's meant to spread disease and give women an inexplicable feeling that you're committed to them before you dump them. But when that (laughs) When that purpose is twisted to make a perverse mockery of the once-honest profession of journalism, I say it's time to close the journalist bathhouses once and for all. Call me a bigot, a racist, a sexist, a homophobe. Okay, but at least I'm not a journalist for Vanity Fair. Trigger warning I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky dunky Shaped, ipsy, topsy the world is zing. It's a wonderful day. Hooray, hooray. It makes me want to sing oh, hooray, hooray. Oh, hooray, hooray. You know, conservatives are always complaining that conservatism is under attack, but the more I think about it, the more I think it's actually liberalism that's in danger. I became a conservative because I'm a liberal. I want people to be free and to be treated equally. And that's the attitude America is in danger of losing because of the left. Take racism for an example. For a liberal like me, no issue is about race unless you're a racist. Let me say that again. In politics, there is no such thing as a race issue unless you are a racist. If a group of people who are black or white or Jewish or anything else behave in a bad way or say stupid things, the issue is their behavior and their ideas. If they're poor, the problem is poverty. If they use drugs, the problem is drugs. If they commit crimes, the issue is criminality. The issue is never their race, since all people can be corrupted and degraded given the right circumstances. When racists single out a people for hatred or for love, they create terrible problems. They degrade populations. They hamper assimilation. They create random injustice and give our system and our country a bad name. The answer is always the same. Stop doing that. Don't treat people according to their race. Treat everyone the same. I'm not saying race doesn't exist. I'm not saying there may not be racial differences of all sorts. I have no clue whether there are or aren't, and I don't care. I'm saying in politics, the only way to reach any sort of fairness is one rule, one justice for all. It's the only thing that works. Personally, because I, th- I think personally, it's because that's the way that God means us to treat one another. Conservatives understand this. We have relegated the bigots, the anti-Semites, and the white supremacists to the furthest fringes of our movement. They even have to call themselves alt-right because they're actually an alternative to the right. But where do you find racism on the left? In Congress, on campus, and in the New York Times, by which I mean at the very center of their philosophy. Because leftism is racism. Leftism is intolerance. Leftism is the enemy not of conservatism, but of liberalism. All right. Let a, let me talk about Ring. This is a true story. I told this before. I didn't want to say who it was because I hadn't asked his permission. Jonathan Hay, who is producing our show at this very minute, although now he's been elevated to some title. I don't even know what he's called anymore. We're just supposed to, every time he goes by, we're just supposed to say, we're not worthy, Jonathan. We're not. And we do that. You know, it makes him feel good. But the other night, he is awakened at 3.30 in the morning by two people standing outside his door, knocking on his door asking him questions, trying to uh, wangle their way inside his house. But luckily, he had ring. He had this ring doorbell that he could see them. He could talk to them through the door without unlocking the door. He could address them uh, directly and have an exchange with them. And eventually they went away. Now he went out after that experience. He went out and got all the ring, all the stuff that you can get, the sensors on all his doors, and he is absolutely thrilled. He was just in here a couple of minutes ago saying how great it is to have his home protected. Ring helps you stay connected to your home anywhere in the world. So there's if there's a package delivery surprise visitor, you'll get an alert. You can see here and talk to him. On your phone. And as a listener, you have a special offer on a Ring Starter Kit available right now. With a video doorbell and motion activated floodlight cam, the Starter Kit has everything you need to start building a ring of security around your home. Just go to ring.com slash Claven. That's ring.com slash Claven. Anyone comes to your door, you just look at them and you say, How do you spell Claven? And they'll say K L A V A N. And then, even then, don't let them in. Uh, also, the Clavenless Weekend is about to be upon you. Hold it off by ordering Another Kingdom, the novel. You know, it's been delayed just a few more days, and the reason is they did such an amazing job with this book that they were having trouble getting the cover uh, the way they wanted it because they put so much effort into it. Uh, I'll bring it in next week. Uh, If I can get my hands on a copy, I'll bring it in and show it to you. It really looks beautiful. Go to Another Kingdom. Uh, If you pre-order it, you can go to anotherkingdombook.com and get all kinds of goodies. But not even without that, you get the book, which is worthwhile. Um, All right. So yesterday we're talking about this group of rich people who game their kids into colleges. And we also have been talking about Tucker Carlson and Bubba the Love Sponge and the fact that Media Matters is out to get him. And they're uh, staging all kinds of, uh, you know, what do they call it, the AstroTurf protests. And they're trying to get it as sponsors. And they're trying to get Carlson off the air because he's a conservative not a, because, obviously, of anything he said on Bubble the Love Sponge when he was at MSNBC uh, talking to his fellow liberals, I assume. <clears throat> but So so they have this thing, and they bust these, these famous people, Felicity Huffman and Lori Laughlin, two actresses, and all these rich people for lying, cheating, scamming their kids into Ivy League and other top schools. When, how does the New York Times react to this? They write, What does it take? This is their headline, and this is not on the uh, knucklehead row. This is the uh, front page kind of analysis of of the situation. Admission scandal is a harsh lesson in racial disparities. Now, let me read you a little bit of this, because I find, I find this disgusting. I really do. I mean, this is like, remember after Ilhan Omar made her uh, anti-Semitic remarks about Jews uh, having too much money and too much power in politics? And the New York Times piece said, Ilhan Omar revives the debate. Do Jews have too much power? Does AIPAC have too much power and money in politics? They've become, because they followed their bad idea, their intersectionalism, their identity politics, they have become disgusting racists. There's more racism in the New York Times than any newspaper that doesn't have the name Storm in the title. <laughs> All right. So here they, they take, uh, they start out with their, uh, you know, featurette. Idea of individual people. They studied into the wee hours. They agonized line by line over their personal essays. They took standardized tests three, four, five times to increase their scores. And last fall, after years of preparation and anxiety, the students at Ewan Marion Kaufman School, a predominantly black school in Kansas City, submitted their college applications, hoping all their hard work would pay off. And the students at Kaufman saw their charter school as something of an equalizer. Uh, They have a good campus, all this stuff. But this week, the students there and at high schools across the country were reminded by the nation's largest admission scandal that there is nothing equal about the process. They had their sights set on some of the same schools that wealthy parents use bribes to get their children into. It's a harsh lesson in the limits of meritocracy. Meritocracy, which is giving things to the people who merit them. The limits of meritocracy. The case underscored the racial and economic disparities that plague access to higher education. In an effort to diversify their student bodies, universities are recruiting students of different racial and economic backgrounds. But those opportunities can come with a backlash for students of color who have found their qualifications questioned when they arrive at elite campuses. The case Was dispiriting. Every word of this is a lie. It's a lie because of what they leave out. You all know you can do this. I mean, we all know that we can lie by leaving stuff out, just by the way. The same way we can lie by telling uh, untruths. What if they had gone to another school with white poor people? Never mind that. What if they'd gone to a school? with wealthier people like the school I sent my kid to where we did the right thing where my kid worked and worked uh, so hard to get into Yale and I helped him out you know with with anything I could the same way they're talking about with any kind of uh, tutoring but we did it honestly we all get cheated by crime everybody got cheated by crime why because it takes away from the merit system it it completely ruins the merit system As affirmative action does, as keeping Asians out does, as, as, you know, thinking about people in terms of race does. They're, they're just this, they have to go this way in order to defend their racist program, which is affirmative action. You know, affirmative action was one of the very first things that started my journey from liberalism to conservatism. I remember the Backey case where uh, conservative, where uh, affirmative action became legal, basically, uh, the Supreme Court said, and I remember uh, saying to my wife at the time, liberalism, by which I meant my side, is out of ideas. They are out of ideas. If they cannot assimilate people uh, without giving them special privileges according to race, they are out of good ideas. Little did I know how right I was because what they're saying, they could have done this about anybody. People who, you know, um, David Mamet, great playwright, has kind of become a conservative. He wrote a piece in one of the trades defending his friends, Felicity Huffman and William Macy, who were caught up in this thing, (coughs) saying they're wonderful people. They're great parents. Like any parent, they would go to any lengths and they did go to any lengths. And he said they should be given what he called the Texas, Texas verdict, which is you're guilty, but don't do it again. You know, because it's just, he said it's just the same as giving a building and getting your kid in that way and the problem is, that's not true. I, I respect him for standing up for his friends. We should all stand up for our pals. I respect him for saying they a- acted in a certain way and they shouldn't get a harsh uh, punishment. I don't really think these people should get harsh punishments like jail time either. I don't think that jail is where you put people like this. So I'm, I'm fine with them getting a slap on the wrist and being shamed in front of people. You know, that's, that's all fine. But it's not the same. It's not the same as giving a building. It is not the same as giving a building. You know, it may be on the spectrum. It's true that people, who are wealthy uh, get better deals than other people than the rest of us, who if you're that wealthy. But you know what? That that's just part of life. That is part of life. It's not corrupt. It's very open, very honest. I mean, this what this is, is this is a cheat. It is a, a cheat against everybody. And you know, that the New York Times can't see what they're doing or that they can see and they don't care is part of what liberalism does to you. It's part of what, I shouldn't say liberalism, it's part of what leftism does to you. It blinds you, it blinds you to your own nature and to your own corruption. And I'll show you how in just a second, but first let us talk about ExpressVPN. This is something I use every single day. It's so easy, it just kind of runs in the back and it disguises It disguises you when you're online. So when you're fishing, you're uh, going around online and you're looking at things, people cannot steal uh, your data. Stealing data from unsuspecting people on public Wi-Fi is one of the simplest and cheapest ways for hackers to make money. So to protect yourself from cyber criminals, you want to use ExpressVPN. It secures and anonymizes your internet browsing by encrypting your data. And let me tell you the truth. I don't know how this thing works. I don't care. But if it's encrypting my data and keeping people from stealing my information and watching where I am, that's what I want. It's an easy-to-use app that runs seamlessly in the background of your computer, phone, and tablet. Turning on ExpressVPN protection uh, takes exactly one click, and it's less than $7 a month. Uh, You can get the same ExpressVPN protection that I have. Protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash clavin. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash clavin. For three months free with a one-year package, visit expressvpn.com slash clavin to learn more. And why are you saying? Why? You spelled express, but how do you spell Claven? It's K L A V A N, no ease. In Clavin, I just make it look easy. You know, Chuck Todd, who I attack often because he's b- both on MSNBC ranting uh, against uh, conservatives and on NBC pretending he's a straightforward, unbiased reporter. And that I don't think is fair, and that's why I go after him. But his people got a great catch the other day. We were talking about Lori Laughlin, who got her YouTube star daughter. Uh, into college by pretending she was an athlete when she wasn't taking pictures of her with, I think, a crew machine when she wasn't (coughs) on crew. Uh, And this is, by the way, a girl who basically said, I don't really care much about school. I just want to do my uh, YouTube stuff. The guys at Chuck Todd's uh, operation found an episode of Full House that deals with this very issue, and he kind of spliced it together into a short short video. Look at this. What's going
1: on? Uh, I'm just checking out this uh, application for Bouton
2: Hall. I'm not going to lie on this application. you got to give the boys a little edge. And you're right. Uh-huh. I'm their father. Darn right. If I don't lie for them, who will? You must have done a great job on that application. They're interested in Nikki and Alex. I may have, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I may have embellished. This is very important. You know, the fast track. Zoom. Zoom, 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 zoom. Yeah, right. Okay, zoom. Zoom, 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 zoom. Look, Mrs. Jacobs, we have to be honest. Well... I have to be honest. We may have, well, he may have embellished, lied a bit on our application.
0: So as the Simpsons would say, Lori Laughlin learns a lesson about being honest on applications, only she didn't learn it because leftism gives you this veneer of being a decent person when you're not doing decent things. Here's Elizabeth Warren on Morning Joe, and this is a 10-second clip, but watch this and you will see two people who are clueless about who they are.
2: So as a parent, how much sympathy would you have uh, for these parents who are embroiled in this alleged cheating scandal? Zero.
0: So here's the woman who pretended to be Native American so she could take advantage of the uh, anti-meritocratic affirmative action program that was, was, was in place throughout the country saying she has zero sympathy for these people who lied to get their kids into college. And there is Mika pretending to be a journalist, thinking that she's the, the uh, basically the voice of conscience of America, who doesn't have any follow-up question. No follow-up question to that. She just goes right over it. What about you, Elizabeth? What about you, Senator? Nothing. Nothing. Absolutely clueless because leftism cloaks them in a feeling of virtue that has disguised the fact that they have become the party of racism, the party of illiberalism, the party of censorship, the party of hate. They're the party of hate. Like I said, The hateful people on the right get banished. They get thrown out. We throw them out. I mean, where is Milo Yiannopoulos today? You know, everybody tolerated him. I thought he was kind of funny, but I kept saying, I hope he he figures out that he's talking, saying the wrong thing. He's gone. You know, he becomes the alt-right because he can't get into the right. But in the left, if you're a racist, if you're a bigot, if you are a silencer of people, you know, I mean, this really gets me. It's like, they, they're going after Tucker Carlson to silence Tucker Carlson. And this Media Matters is after him uh, with this guy, Angelo Corazon. Is that what his name or is it? Uh, yeah, something like that. And Tucker Carlson comes out and exposes Corazon for his own uh, website that he had kind of uh, bigoted remarks on.
1: It turns out that for years, Carousone maintained a racist blog. One post entitled, quote, Trainee Paradise, addressed a crime story from Thailand. A Bangladeshi man had been robbed and assaulted by a group of male prostitutes dressed as women. Carason objected to the idea that this was even a story and ridiculed South Asians as inherently ugly and poor. Quote, Is the writer a tranny lover too? Or perhaps he's just trying to justify how these trannies tricked this Bangladeshi in the first place. Look, man, we don't need to know whether or not they were attractive. The effing guy was Bangladeshi. What the hell was he doing with $7,300 worth of stuff? The guy's Bangladeshi, end quote. In another post, Carason described how a male coach at a Japanese high school had sexually abused female players. People in Japan were horrified by this, understandably. Carason was not. His advice, quote, lighten up, Japs. Later that month, Carason, by now in a frenzy of racism, heaped praise on a former Ku Klux Klan leader, in still another post from the same period, Caroussone described a Jewish man as being handsome, quote, despite his Jewry. Caroussone didn't like the man's political views, but attributed them to, quote, his possession of several bags of Jewish gold.
0: <laughs> Jeez. And by the way, this is not new stuff. I think it was the Daily Caller that exposed this stuff a while back. So it's not like it's just suddenly coming to the surface now. It's just that he doesn't pay a price for it. There's protesters outside. You know, this AstroTurf protesting is going on outside Tucker Carlson's uh, you know, Fox News, which I guess is on Sixth Avenue in New York or Avenue of the Americas, as we're supposed to call it. But old New Yorkers know that it's still Sixth Avenue. Uh, Here's one of them talking about why she wants to get uh, advertisers to drop Tucker.
2: I watch Tucker Carlson every night um, and I followed his career retrospectively and currently and every night he goes on air and reveals what kind of a person he is, someone whose core mission in the media is to elevate fringe white identity grievances and use his massive microphone to mainstream full-blown white supremacy um, and move the Overton window, which represents the spectrum of acceptable dialogue in the media towards fascism. This is a fundamentally anti-democratic project and it is opposed to the meager civil rights that are afforded marginalized populations in this country. And he it puts marginalized communities under the threat of direct material harm.
0: This is nonsense. Also, obviously, she has such a a line here. She's obviously an activist. She's obviously a studied person who knows this is not some woman off the street who's just outraged. This is AstroTurf. This is somebody who's hired to do this stuff or does it for a living or for uh, that. This is the purpose of her life. But it's not about, it's about shutting him down. It's not about anything he said. It's, she said it right there. It's what he says. It's what he stands for. That she, and, and it's utterly, utterly uh, heartbreaking to watch comedians go after him. You know, of all people, Bubba, the love sponge, has an incredibly intelligent, well-written uh, piece in the Wall Street Journal today talking about why what Tucker said on his show wasn't, isn't a problem. He says, listen, he says, I host a comedy-driven radio show for guys. Until Sunday, no one confused it with something that should be taken seriously. Given my on-air name, Bubba the Love Sponge, I assume most people get the joke. We are rude, sometimes profane. To be sure, we say really mean things on my radio show, and we laugh instead of getting mad. Why do we allow things to be said in comedy that wouldn't be acceptable elsewhere? Believe it or not, scientists have studied comedy for an answer, and they found one. It's called benign violation. I do this all the time in my opens, right? Benign violation. We laugh when social norms are exceeded the violation, but it's not permanently harmful It's benign. No one called into my show authentically outraged about what Mr. Carlson said, not once, because everyone knew we were goofing in the spirit of the show. To understand the mood of today, the only name you need to know is Lenny Bruce. A brilliant and shocking comic, Bruce was arrested over and over for obscenity, jailed for saying the wrong words. In New York, he was convicted and he died before his appeal could be heard. I'm a conservative because I'm a liberal, okay? It's it's liberalism that's under attack. In the old days, Lenny Bruce, remember, was the you know, doyen of the left. He was attacking Jesus, he was attacking religion, he was attacking the kind of status quo I would defend him today, as in fact, I do defend comedians. I don't want Samantha B taken off the air for the thing she said about Ivanka, the, the horrible word she used about Ivanka. I don't want her taken off the air. I just want her treated the same way as people on the right. When um, Amy, what's her, what's the comedian's name, Amy Schumer, thank you. When Amy Schumer got up and made a, a gross a remark at an awards program, and women said, Oh, wow, finally women are empowered to say the nasty things that men say. I say, Well, either men shouldn't say them either. Or, if everybody can say them, then men shouldn't be attacked when they're grotesque about women. You know, that is the point. When I make, when I make jokes about International Women's Day and I say, oh, well, men invented everything, my point is not, is not that men are better than women. It's that women's point of view, women's contribution to society is actually being ignored. That's the joke. But I say it in a way that's, a, that's shocking and it makes you laugh because it's a benign violation of norms. Meanwhile, on the the left, it's like silence. Everything is silence. Twitter has announced their new rules. And their new rules are designed to protect the left from the right. Their rules are designed. They're not going to tell us anymore that people like ideas on the right. They're not going to tell us that anymore because they know that people who are uh, who put forward good ideas, Ben Shapiro, people who are against abortion, they get a lot of likes, they get a lot of support on Twitter, and that a lot of people, who, when they spout the kind of stupid Alexandria occasional cortex socialism that, that really takes a lack of insight, education, and knowledge to come up with, they get ratioed, basically. They get told how silly it is. And that's the thing that gets me. It's, it's liberalism that's under attack. You know, I want you... I, I want you to to live a good life. If you want to live a good life, I recommend, here's some stuff I recommend. I recommend Jesus. I recommend marriage. I recommend hard work. If you're sitting around you know, I, you know, this is the thing that really gets me. <laughs> like, I don't believe in affirmative action because I believe that black people are every inch as competent and capable as white people. I believe that if you're sitting around and saying to me, "I want reparations for something that never happened to me," and I want you, who never did anything to, to me, to pay to pay for it, you're just committing an injustice. If you sit around and you say you have white privilege, you're wasting your life. You are wasting your life. If you are a person of color, what you should be thinking about is, hmm, how hard. How hard can I work? How far can I go? What ideas can I contribute? Now that the barriers are down, thank you very much, white Christian people, for knocking down the barriers that you that uh, past generations erected. Thank you. Now that the barriers are down, what am I going to do to make myself indispensable and to make myself wealthy while I'm at it? What am I going to do? If you're sitting around going, oh, you have white privilege, you oh, you have things that I don't have, and you know what? A hundred years ago, there was you know, you're wasting your life. I believe in you. I believe in each one of you that you can go out and do the thing that has to be done. Sometimes when I get an email letter and a mailbag letter and I yell at people, it's because I know you can do it. I know when people say, oh, I don't know what to do. What do I do? You know, I know that you know. (laughs) I know that you know. You know? And it's like, this is the thing. They don't believe in you. They think, oh, you need some help. You need the government to take care of you. Oh, my goodness, you're such a sad, weak, poor, little black person. Well, come on. If anybody spoke to me that way, I wouldn't listen to him again. You know, I, I've never understood this, especially I got to say it, especially black men. When when the gov- government says to you, oh, you can't do it without me. Oh, you need when politicians come into your neighborhood and say, oh, you can't, you can't even open a bank account. I can't understand any man who doesn't just turn on his heels, walk in the other direction, say, what I'll show you what I can do. I will show you what I can do. I'm going to build a business. I'm going to build a family. I'm going to invent stuff. I'm going to learn stuff. I'm going to do things. That's, that is what makes you great. That's what makes for a great, happy life. But if you don't want to live that life, I'm not trying to shut you up. If you don't love God and you want to talk about that, please go ahead. If you don't want to live a family life, I'm not going to get in your way. Just don't ask me to pay for it. That's what liberalism is. It's you doing you and me doing me and you paying for you and me paying for me. That's what freedom looks like. And so, you know, it's it's only the left that wants to shut people down. It's only the left that wants, and the crazy right, the alt-right, that wants to maintain the illusion that race matters, that race should matter in matters of politics. It should not. It should never matter. We should never treat each other according to our race, not ever. And I mean, you know, that doesn't have to do with making jokes about race. Go ahead, please. But it does have to do with saying, you know, you get to behave one way because of your race and you get to behave another or you have to behave another. Anytime you do that, you're going to end up a racist. Anytime you look at people like that, you are going to go down that road. And that first part of the road may look great. It may look sensible. But finally, you end up at the New York Times spouting this virulent, racist garbage and thinking you're still a good person because you've got that ring of invisibility that uh, that leftism gives you. That ring, it's, it's like the Hobbit, you know, it's like Lord of the Rings. You get that ring, you put on the ring of leftism and you become invisible. And pretty soon you're walking around like that little guy, <laughs> that little monster going, oh, my precious, my precious leftism, you know, everything is great. Leftism is the enemy of liberalism. It is the enemy of liberalism. I have to stop for just a sec and talk about Uh, Beto, this thing about Beto, because it is unbelievable. You know, uh, Beto is kind of uh, Obama in whiteface, which may not work out that well for him. He's not a guy who knows anything. He's not a guy who's contributed anything. He's not a guy whose ideas work, but he's kind of charming. You know, even I find him kind of charming and young and buoyant and optimistic and he's appealing and the, the left looks at him and thinks, ooh, electable, and they fall in love with him. He said, he said he wouldn't run. He promised like three or four times he wouldn't run for his family. Here's cut number four.
3: Our, our children are, are 11, um, they're, they're 10 and they're seven years old. Um, we, we've, we've told them we're going to take these almost two years out of our life to run this race. And then we're, we're, we're devoted and committed to being a family again. So that's what we're focused on. But thank you for asking the question um, that I'm not looking at 2020. And, and in fact, I'm, I'm completely ruling that out. Um, not going to do that. Uh, no matter what, win or lose, you're not going to run. Win in or lose, I, I'm not, I'm not running in, in 2020, um, I got to tell you, it's it's incredibly flattering that anyone would ask me the question or that that's that's even um, up for discussion. But but since people have asked, the answer is no. Can you say definitively that no matter what happens tomorrow, you will not be a candidate for president in 2020? I will not be a candidate for president in 2020. Thanks. That's, I think, as definitive (laughs) as those sentences get. (laughs) He's got such an honest face. Who would have thought he was
0: lying? He was lying. Cut number five.
3: Amy and I are happy to share with you that I'm running to serve you as the next President of the United States of America. This is a defining moment of truth for this country and for every single one of us. The challenges that we face right now, the interconnected crises in our economy, our democracy, and our climate have never been greater, and they will either consume us or they will afford us the greatest opportunity to unleash the genius of the United States of America.
0: He should have said, screw the kids. (laughs) So Vanity Fair runs this, another one of these Obama thrill up the leg pieces. Oh, he's barefoot and he has books and he's so wonderful and all this stuff. But they include Henry, one of his kids. Henry, age eight, says from the back of the Toyota Tundra, dad, if you run for president, I'm going to cry all day. And O'Rourke says, just the one day. And the kid says, every day. (laughs) So they promised, they promised the kids that this is it. We're going to take time off to win the Senate race in Texas, but then that's it. And screw the kids. So so that's who you're dealing with. But he looks great. It's almost time for our next episode of The Conversation on Wednesday, March 20th at 7 p.m., Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. We're going to be changing things up with a live book signing of Ben's new book, The Right Side of History. For this episode only, you get to ask Ben questions if you have purchased a copy of his book. So what are you waiting for? More details to come as we get closer, so stay tuned. Once again, participate in Ben's live book signing on Wednesday, March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, on this special episode of The Conversation. All right, we're going to stay on so you can hear our guest, Maria Espinoza, but that's no reason not to go to DailyWire.com and subscribe. In fact, it's all the more reason to go to DailyWire.com and subscribe because we treat you so bloody well. It is only ten bucks a month. It's a hundred bucks for the entire year, and you get for the year you get the leftist tears tumbler. It is made. This is made of actual black diamonds. Now, not not everybody knows about black diamonds. Uh, I'm lying. Okay, but, but still, it's a great mug. It is the great tumbler to have, and you get to be watch all the shows right on. Um, right on the website, and you get Ben's two hours of radio show. You can watch those, too. You get so much, and you get to be in the mailbag and the conversation. We answer all your questions. It is great, so do it now. All right, have we got Maria Espinoza on? Okay, Maria Espinoza is the national director of the Remembrance Project, project, which is dedicated to remembering uh, people who have been killed by illegal immigrants. She is herself the daughter of uh, an immigrant. And uh, Maria, can you hear me?
4: I can hear you, Drew. Thanks so much for having me on.
0: Oh, it's a pleasure. Uh, t- why don't you tell us a little bit about what the Remembrance Project is?
4: I would love to. Uh, we start, My husband and I, Tim Link, started this project in 2009 to be a voice for the victims who no longer have a voice. And that started because of a news report running one evening here in Houston, Texas, where they talked about two police officers who'd been killed by illegal aliens, separate incidents, separate years. And one of the widows had filed a lawsuit against the city. And after some research, we learned it was about the sanctuary city policies here in Houston, which we had never heard of before. And and as you can see with the latest news, with the murder, the vicious murder of Bambi Larson, illegal aliens are untouchable in the United States. At least that's what it seems like.
0: Is there some reason, I mean, you, you are the daughter of immigrants. Is that why this particular story touches you so much?
4: Yeah, that's a good question, and I don't think I've been asked that before. <laughs> but but you're right. I mean, that's it because Dad was from Mexico. He's born in Mexico and came here the right way. And I once we learned about this, these dangerous policies, I was shocked, and I really thought Drew that we would only work this for about two years because that's all it would take. Certainly, the politicians did not hear about these sanctuary city policies. But look, here we are. Ten years later, this is our 10th year anniversary. Sad to say that an organization like mine has to even be in business.
0: Do you agree that there's an emergency at the border when uh, Donald Trump says this is an emergency, this is a crisis? Do you think that that's true?
4: Absolutely true. And if um, all your viewers out there spent a day in our shoes, you would see that this is a huge problem. Uh, Again, we've been doing this for 10 years. We created the Stone Life's Quilt Banners, which during the campaign you saw the angel moms and dads and family members holding these memorial panels and banners of their deceased children. So we've done this again for years, gone attended murder trials and hearings and testified, doing everything that we could do to get the attention of our lawmakers. And, you know, Drew, we're only asking for our borders to be secured, and they're not. We're asking for the enforcement of current laws. They're not being enforced. And I've been along the border. I've been on a night watch looking at illegal aliens that have crossed into our country with backpacks full of what was believed to be drugs, Uh, looking at that take place through night vision. So absolutely, this is a national emergency.
0: So, you know, whatever people think about Donald Trump, before Trump was president, this was still going on and people were making speeches about it on the left and the right, Democrats and Republicans both. Why do you think it is that they can't move? If both Democrats before Trump, if both Democrats and Republicans ostensibly uh, agree that there's a problem at the border, why have they not been able to do anything about it?
4: Because they don't want to. You know, the Democrat, that's simple as that. They, they play these games. It is political theater. And they play these games and they send out their flowery newsletters of what, what work they, wonderful work that they've done while they're up in Washington, D.C., and they do nothing. We just returned to our home state of Texas. Um, after being in the swamp for two years, Drew, I'm so happy to be back. But um, <laughs> um, unfortunately, it, being there for two years confirmed that you know what we believed, which is they absolutely will do nothing. We have the Republicans, and, and both parties are guilty. The Republicans—they're taking that blood money that we call from special interest open borders groups. They fill their campaign coffers while. Our coffins are filled mm-hmm. with American children and their lives. Yeah. And and, yeah. and the Democrats want the vote, of course, and you see that far-left socialist agenda really pushing through in that party.
0: So you, you talk about being in the swamp, and you don't have to name names, although if you want to name names, feel free. Uh, <laughs> you, you're walking around, you're going into these, um, you're going into these <laughs> offices, you're talking to people, and you call it a swamp. Can you tell me what that experience is like? I mean, what, 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 do you, what, why are you so grateful to be back in Texas?
4: Well, we love Texas, of course. Yeah, of course. Um, I was born in Texas, yes. And, and um, well, I can tell you, I'll give you this example, and we do name names true. So, okay. you know, we want the people to know the truth. We have to get work around the fake news. And that's also why the Stone Lights quilt is there so that we can show what is taking place and where the media has failed. Uh, for example, the former Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan, in 2017, 2016, I took four angel mothers and a family member to his hometown of Janesville, Wisconsin, and asking for a few minutes with this man. Speaker of the House, Republican, supposed to be leader, he is responsible whether, whether or not bills get to the floor. And he can whip up the people and his group and, and push through some good legislation to protect Americans. Well, he absolutely refused to meet with them. He wouldn't even step outside and give his condolences to these grieving mothers. It was probably 95 degrees. They were holding the banners of their murdered children, wearing their memorial shirts. And what did we get? As soon as we stepped on the grass on his side of his property, Capitol uh, Police were there to tell us to step away. Um, and uh, his Secret Service uh, or Capitol Police pulled up on under his side door. He got in the vehicle and he was whisked away. Mm. That is what we have in leadership, and I think that's a perfect example of what you're talking about.
0: Wow! Wow! Well, we should build a wall, and you couldn't get in. Um, <laughs> you were about talking- well, he had
4: a wall all around <laughs> the, the the back of his his house. Did uh, he- a nice fence and wall? But the, and had Capitol Police. Was that Um, not in uniform? And he had uh, two vehicles that were patrolling around. Mm. So he's got plenty of security. Nothing like we have, you know, average Americans out here.
0: Um, You were testifying before Congress just a couple weeks ago, right?
4: Um, actually, it was in 2017 in Congress. Yes, and uh, on one side of me was an angel mother, and the other side was the president of the Border Patrol Union. Um, You know, and I'm 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 just very frustrated. I think that uh, I think the message for everyone out there would be to um, recruit others in your area, be a part of a group and identify those good candidates, America first candidates and support them in every way to get them voted into office in every level of government, because that's what it's going to take. These guys up here are absolutely not going to do what's right.
0: Wow! So you, you actually are not hopeful that uh, Trump is going to get his wall or anything like it.
4: Uh, President Trump is going to have to work on his own. He has a few um, allies and those who are on our side and believe in our U.S. Constitution and believe that we um, should respect our law, our borders. Uh, Otherwise, we don't have a country, Drew. If we don't, we have a wonderful U.S. Constitution, and if so many foreigners are, you know, fighting tooth and nail to come here to our country. They should emulate the United States, not try and flood the United States and give us the middle finger, if I don't mind saying, you know, they're out in the streets. They're not happy here. They're carrying their flags and they don't like America or they don't like Americans. Um, I guess we're not doing enough for them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, where, where can uh, M- Maria Espinoza, the um, founder of the Remembrance Project, where can people find you uh, and help you out?
4: Our website is theremembranceproject.org. On Twitter, we are at Stolen Lives QLT, which stands for Quilt. And Facebook is the same, uh, Stolen Lives Quilt and the Remembrance Project. This is our 10th year again, so uh, we're going to have a national conference in Houston in October. Uh, and we just invite all your listeners to go like our page and sign up for our emails.
0: Maria Espinosa, The Remembrance Project, thank you very much for coming on. We'll talk again.
4: God bless you, Drew. Thank you. Thanks. All right, a
0: final reflection, you know, Jay Leno was uh, interviewed about comedy today. Here's a, a kind of clip that the Newsbusters guys put together.
1: Everything now is, if people don't like your politics, they, everyone has to know your politics. When people see you as one-sided, it just makes it tough. And plus, you know, I did it when, uh, you know, Clinton was horny and Bush was dumb, and it was just <laughs> a little easier.
4: <laughs> <You're right.
1: laughs> You know, you know. Now it's all very serious. It's it, everything is just so so. Na- I just like see a bit of civility yeah. come back to it. You know, the theory when we did the show was you just watch the news, we'll make fun of the news, and get your mind off the news. Mm-hmm. Well, now people just want to be on the news all the time. So, you just have one subject. It's the same topic every night, which makes it makes it very hard. I mean, all the comics, Jimmy and and Colbert and everybody else. It, it it's tough when yeah. when when that's when that's it the dominates only topic everything. Out there. Yeah. Exactly.
0: So he's actually saying that the, the comics are giving a certain number of the people what they want. The the, the, uh, lure is coming from the people. It always does. I mean, obviously, if these guys were, if their ratings were dropping off the shelf, uh, they would be taken off the air. But they're not dropping off the shelf because All leftists know they can go on TV and watch and have their ideas reinforced. And if they don't, they'll go into your past, dig up some stuff and come after your sponsors and and protest you. And we don't do that so much. And so they they know that they're free to do this. But Johnny Carson, Drudge put up this uh, Johnny Carson clip. Obviously, he was the best of all of these guys, the guy they all admire, the guy they all want to be speaking at a time, of course, when there were only three uh, network TV stations and so everybody was watching The Tonight Show. Now, not that many people are watching any given station at any time. There's a lot more niche TV. But he's talking about something that happens to you uh, when you start to feel that you have to make comments.
1: You get sensitive about the fact that people say he'll never take a serious controversy. Well, I have an answer to that. I said, now, tell me the last time that Jack Benny... Red Skelton, any uh, comedian, used his show to do serious issues. That's not what I'm there for. Can't they see that? But you're not. Why do they think that just because you have a tonight show that you must deal in serious issues? That's a danger. It's a real danger. Once you start that, you start to get that self important feeling that what you say has great import. And you know, Strangely enough, you could use that show as a forum. You could sway people. And I don't think you should as an entertainer.
0: See, we talk about this all the time, a little good Aristotelian thought, that things have a purpose. The thing you do have a, has a purpose. His purpose is to entertain. His purpose was to entertain Everybody. The problem is once these guys start thinking that they have something to say and there's no such thing as a comedian, especially a comedian over 50 who doesn't think he has something to say. All comedians start out angry. That's why they're funny. And then they get even more and more bitter as people don't take them seriously and they want to be taken seriously at age 50. They all start to think, oh, I have something to say. You don't. Your talent, your talent is making people laugh. And once you start to think that you have something to say, you're putting on that ring of leftism. You're putting on the, you're becoming, uh, you know, the, um, gosh, I can't remember this name, the goblin's name. Um, (laughs) What is it? Oh yeah, that's right. Golem, Golem, Golem. Uh, and once you, you become Golem, you know, you start to think that you have something to say, and that your a point of view is somehow worth excluding all the other people whom you are supposed to be making laugh. And leftism does this to people; it makes them invisible to themselves. It is a bad philosophy because it's not a liberal philosophy. And when, cons- you know, the thing is, right now, conservatism is the liberal philosophy. Right this minute, conservatism is the the liberal philosophy. If there comes a time when conservatism no longer allows its opposition to speak. If there comes a time when conservatism starts to sort people according to race, if there comes a time when conservatism starts stopping women from doing what they want, no matter what it is, including staying home with their kids and raising a family and making a home for their husband, if it's also that, when conservatism becomes the illiberal side, hey, I'll be happy to switch over if the left is then the liberal side. But that's not what's happening right this minute, right this point in time. It is the left that is the party of hate, the party of racism, the party of exclusion. And you can tell by the fact that there is not one comedian. It would be something else if there were alternating comedians on the right and left. But it's only leftists because only leftists will—leftists will only let leftists speak because they are illiberal. The Clavenless weekend is upon you. Go get another kingdom, get the novel. uh, You can send it to me, I'll sign it. uh, And uh, come back on Monday. You're not going to make it to Monday. I mean, with the Clavenless weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you're done. Uh, Sorry, but I'll see (laughs) you. Those of you who survive can come here Monday. I'm Andrew Claven. This is The Andrew Claven Show.
1: Today on the Ben Shapiro Show, Beta O'Rourke declares for the presidency and it's rad, dude. This is the Ben Shapiro Show.